It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. God could have made me anything, anything in this world, and he made me a black woman. <laughs> that is it. That is the post. Black girl, you 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 black girl, be your day, be your day, be your day, be your day. Black girl, you black girl, you black. Hey, girl, hey. I've got big news. We are taking a trip to the Holy Land in November. That's right. Say Black Girl is going to the Holy Land. Here's the question Are you ready to bring the pages of the Bible to life? If so, I really want to invite you to join us for 11 days walking through the places that Jesus walked during his time on earth. You'll get to see where Jesus was baptized, and on day three, we'll have our very own special baptism service there. We'll visit the cave where Jesus was born in the Church of the Nativity. We'll gaze out over the shepherd's field where angels first proclaimed the good news that he was born. We'll get to visit the Roman aqueduct, the theater at Caesarea, a center of early Christianity where Paul was in prison for two years. And then while we're in Jerusalem, we'll get to remember how Jesus healed on the Sabbath when you visit the pool of Bethesda. We'll see where Jesus brought was brought before Pontius Pilate. We'll walk the Via Dolorosa and remember the Lord's sacrificial love at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Share communion together at the Garden of the Tomb in celebration of his resurrection. These are all of the incredible things that we're going to get to do while we are there. And listen, guys, we have 15 spaces, but they're starting to go fast. And I don't want you to wait to grab yours. So guess what? A deposit of only $300 reserves your space. So I want you to click the link in the show notes to get more information and reserve your space before they are all gone. And I'll see you in the Holy Land. Hey girl, hey! Welcome back guys to another episode or welcome if this is your first time here to the Save Black Girl podcast. I am your host and your new homegirl, Tiffany, and this is a weekly conversation that we like to have about spiritual and emotional health and wholeness for Black women. I am super excited that you are here. If you're new and you feel like this conversation is just what you need, it's giving what it needs to give, then I want to invite you to subscribe and maybe share this episode with a sister who you know needs to hear it. Now, those of you who have been here for a little bit, y'all see me out here with this new hair? Okay. Do you see me? Listen. Now, I have had this color. You've been watching me for a while. You've seen the lovely wig that I've had on. This color has been up underneath there since November. However, um, I didn't like the style. And this is why you have to trust your instincts because... I wanted to get it cut like this initially, and um, I just didn't. I didn't push the issue, and then I did a photo shoot, and I loved the color, but the style wasn't giving me what I needed. So I just got lazy, put my wigs back on, and said whatever. But I was like, you know what? Let me. I kept seeing bobs, and I said, you know what? Let me give my hair a second try. So I went and got it cut this past weekend, and. I've gotten so many compliments about this hair. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and wear my little hair for a little bit. I'm going to put the wigs away. I literally packed them away. This girl at church was like, you should you should give them away. I was like, okay, nope, not ready for that just yet. <laughs> but um, I am excited, you know, to just kind of like see what we're going to do with this hair a little bit. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. 
Um, those of you who are listening on iTunes or Spotify, you're like, I want to see the hair. Come on over to YouTube. Click the link in the show notes and you can see the style and let me know what you think. All right. So before we get fully into this thing, you guys know we've been in um, a, a series. If you're new here, I've been in a series called Countdown to 40. Y'all, your girl is turning 40. Oh, and I got to tell y'all this. Let me tell you how much I love y'all. I recorded this entire episode. And do you know the microphone was muted? There was no sound. I went to get it set up for editing and was like, what is going on, baby? There was no sound. Now, mind you, I've been singing all of this stuff and my throat was just like, I need a break. And I was like, well, you know what? We're going to have to record it one more good time. So it's going to be funny for me to kind of see like what comes out because this is take two. You know, I have like little notes, but I don't obviously have the whole show. I kind of just talk from the heart. So it's going to be funny to see what comes back out. Um, in this episode, because I definitely let the Holy Spirit just speak or as things come to me. But this is take two, y'all. <laughs> a part of a little baby part of me was like, well, we ain't getting no episode. They'd be OK. But I was like, no, no, no. Um, we have to continue this conversation. So really quickly, want to give you a reminder if you're new here and you're not aware or you just been here and you just haven't tapped in yet, do not forget about our Save Black Girl Facebook tribe. There's so many incredible resources in there. First of all, it's a great way for you to meet other like-minded women, form new relationships, and really stay connected to all the great things that we're doing, like going to the Holy Land and all of these fun things. But many of you have asked about how to study the Bible, how to go deeper in your prayer time or in your understanding of the Bible. And so we've placed resources in there so that you can do that. And I mean, really good stuff as well. All right. So click the link in the show notes, go on over to the Save Black Girl Facebook tribe and take a look at all of the incredible resources I'm working now on some brand new things. If you're someone who struggles with fear or confidence or procrastination, you really want to move further in the things of God, but you just find yourself struggling and second guessing and all of that. You can't get out of your head. I got something coming for you. I'm working on some really, really cool things. And all of those things are going to exclusively be located inside our Facebook tribe. So come on over here, girl. We waiting for you. We waiting. Okay. So I do got her cough drop in here because listen, baby, my throat was like really tired. Okay. So um let's get into it, y'all. We are continuing in the series, countdown to 40. And first part, I really talked about just the spiritual understanding and significance of the number 40 and why this birthday feels so different than 30 and all of these other ones. It's like, oh thing, right? And then on the last episode, I talked about just what God is doing in me spiritually as a daughter. Many of you have talked to me about this episode, how it's been impacting you. And I love that. You can, guys can always send me DMs, reply in the comments. I always appreciate hearing just what you guys are thinking. And it helps me as I'm creating, you know, this conversation for us. So today I want to talk about preparing for my second marriage. Now, if you're new here, um, I'm divorced. I got married at 24, was separated and divorced um, at 29 and pretty much entered into my 30s re-single and finding my way. And because I got married so young, I really hadn't dealt with like singleness and all of that because, you know, I got married so, so, so young. So it was a whole journey. Um, and I do desire to get married again. I am, you know, in the process of dating and meeting people and, and in that journey. And um, I just want to share as I've been, as God has been dealing with me and preparing me and even this turning 40 of you know, um, and so let me just give some context. You know, one of the things I've been sharing, if you missed one of the first two episodes around the number 40 spiritually and, and biblically, really symbolizing testing and proving and trials. Um, Jesus was in the wilderness. I mean, was, was uh, tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. You had the children of Israel who would, it was supposed to be in a 40 day journey. 
that turned into 40 years in the wilderness. And there's just so many times where 40 represents a time of testing and proving and then even at the end of that 40, stepping into a new season. And so I, I genuinely feel like God has been, we are wrapping up the first 40 and preparing for the next 40. Like, so it has really had me revisiting in every area. And this is why I knew I couldn't do one, one episode. I knew I had to do a series because from my money to my body, to my mind, to dating, to God, to motherhood, I'm just really revisiting everything and really saying what, what it's almost like now, you know, y'all, y'all know if you're new here, I'm also <laughs> a uh, branding and marketing coach that works with women of faith to launch and scale profitable businesses from their expertise and their expert, their experience. And so um, you guys know the business side of me. <laughs> and so it's almost like a SWOT analysis, you know, that's that strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. It's almost like God has been doing that, you know, and I didn't say that the first time I recorded it, but it is. It feels like God has been having me really look at what's gone well, what's been amazing. I'm a best-selling author. I have an amazing child. I have great friendships. So it's not all negative. It's been a lot of great things that I can go, wow, this has gone so well. How do we continue that? How do we keep doing that? How do we do more of that? How do we lean more into the strengths? But then it's been looking at the weaknesses and the threats and saying, okay, there's some things that if we don't fix this, they're going to prevent me from walking in the destiny and experiencing all that God has for me. And so um, when it comes to this preparing for my second marriage, this is definitely an area where God has been really dealing with me, right? Because I've already taken an L in this area, stepping into the next 40 God loves me enough to to shape me and to mold me and to correct me and to put me in position to really enjoy. You know, Joshua 1 8 talks about good success. And I understand if that there's a such thing as good success, there's a success that's not good. And so I don't just want to be married. I want to be in a thriving, happy, beautiful kingdom marriage that honors God and mirrors his love for his bride. And so Um, if you're new here, a lot of times as I break down my thoughts, it's usually in like three points. And that's just the ministerial training in me, (laughs) that good old homiletics class. You know, I, I usually got three points. It's not a sermon, but still, as I'm just kind of reflecting on like what I want to say, making sure it makes sense. Conversation isn't muddled and you can't take anything away from it. But as I organize my thoughts, it usually happens in threes, right? Very rarely anything less. And usually more is too much. So I do have three areas I want to kind of go over. And I want to talk about them as I pictured it as my past, kind of going back and doing some digging, the present, right, preparation, and then what I'm seeing for the future. So let me go back to the past. Um, I was on a podcast a couple months ago and they asked me a question and I can't remember exactly how they framed it, but it was interesting because it pulled out a little bit of a different reflection and it wasn't something I had never faced. But yet, even for me, as I said it, it was like, huh, it hit me in a different way. And I said to them, you know what? Before I got married the first time, I had never truly had a season to just learn and investigate Tiffany. And I was like, and I think saying that now just felt different because I have and I am doing that. I would say that if I could go back and do it again, and I don't believe in living from regret, but it's often, I think, healthy to just go back and say, oh, what do I know now that I didn't know then? What I know now and what I will tell my daughters and anyone who asks me is I think that some form of counseling and therapy should be mandatory before getting married because my norm is my norm. How we grow up is how we grow up. What we know is what we know, whether it's healthy or not. And so I think there are plenty of times where we go, yeah, I'm ready. I'm good, you know, based off of our standard. But then if we get introduced to some new information, we may realize, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what? Now that I think about it, this could use some fixing and that's probably not super healthy either. Well, I never realized that that would impact me that way. Hmm. There are some things I really need to 
heal, prepare, and work on before the next time. And I just, I never had, I never took, I mean, obviously I was 23 when I met him. So fresh out of college, just beginning this new journey. And I just never had taken a season yet to be curious about me, to really sit and understand um, what didn't I get in childhood or what did I get that needs some reshaping that, yeah, you saw that, but eh, that might not be healthy for where you want to go. And so um, I, I, I want to offer that, you know, to someone, no matter what age you are, because a lot of times we're on autopilot. Have you ever truly had a season to be curious about you and to unpack why do I do that? Why do I get defensive? Why is it hard for me to hear criticism or feedback when I'm not doing something well? Is it because I felt criticized as a child and I felt like I always had to defend myself or prove that I was worthy or okay, right? Or or just whatever. So um, did I come from a family? I, this is not my case, but I know I've heard where we didn't really talk about things. We just kind of shook and made up or fixed each other's food and kept it moving. So am I prepared to be in a relationship that will require me to talk about it, to address things? Um, and so... I never had that season. And I think that that would have been such a beautiful gift that would have allowed me the first time to truly understand my makeup, what I'm showing up with, and to be honest, what I need in a better way. You know, um, the interesting thing is that my ex-husband and I were not awfully mismatched. There is a lot to this day. He And we have a good co-parenting relationship. He texted me. Um, a new album that came out. And I was like, thank you. This is fire. We, you know, have very similar music taste, just have some very similar outlooks on the world, you know? And so I knew that, wow, wasn't that I really picked drastically wrong, but we were not healthy enough to steward what we had. And so for some of you, it's not even going to necessarily be about not picking well. You may be in tune with yourself to know that I like this, I'm about this, and you may pick pretty well, but are you healthy enough to steward that person that you attract? Do you have the communication or the conflict resolution skills that will support the type of a loving, safe relationship you really desire? You know? Um, and so being being in a season after the first marriage where my 30s has really all been about self-discovery. I mean, deep, 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 deep self-discovery. I don't think I was, it, I was about 35 when I realized, no, it was a little bit before. It's probably somewhere between 33 and 34 where I realized that I was empathic, that I, I was like, oh my gosh, I saw something that described what it was to be an empath. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. And here's what I realized, that while I've always been tender, um, I, I was not allowed in my family setting. And I don't mean my in immediate, I mean, just my, as a whole, by the makeup of my family um, on both sides, I, I, I don't think I ever felt really free to just be that part of me. Like I shape-shifted that part of me and showed up a little tougher and, you know, you got to have tough skin because you don't want to get, and I never really was able to own the fact that, no, I'm, I'm empathic. <laughs> I, I cry during Disney movies today. I'm that, let me tell y'all something. I am that girl. It, it can be a comedy. My family, they just, they, they laugh and they tease me, but they just, my son knows he, he looks over certain parts of the movie. He just, you just, I'll see his head whip over because he know, is my mom crying? Because he knows how I am because I'm very tender. It could be a comedy in the little one serious part. And I had that one little thug tail like, oh my God, but that's just who I am. I am deeply, deeply moved. I can physically feel other people's emotions. And I never even really understood that part of me until I was about 33, 34. Well, that matters because um, there's a certain type of spouse that's going to work better for someone who, not fragile, but, but is absolutely tender. Someone who's a little bit more compassionate, someone who's a little bit more emotionally intelligent and just understands how to move with that. And so I was like, wow. And that's just one example of parts of me that I just had not been curious and explored. I like to say it like this, um, you know. 
uh, I like to say it like this, you know, the Bible talks about we have this hidden treasure and it's in our earthen vessel. And, I, and I've always, often said this for business, but I find it now to be true for the personal as well, which is that we got to go on a treasure hunt. There's so many treasures and special things that God has placed on the inside of us. Have we ever gone on a treasure hunt? Have we ever just dug in and saw like who we are, all the special things about us, little, whether it's personality or idiosyncrasies or little things about us. And so I think that that is something that I really was able to deeply reflect on that, man, I never had that ability to truly, truly learn who I am. What do I want? What do I need? What makes me feel like I'm thriving? What do I value? What does not make me feel safe? So that I can set up the proper boundaries, standards, and safeguards around my life that ensures that I get to be in situations where I feel safe, I feel valued, and I'm able to thrive. I think a lot of us find ourselves in settings, in relationships, working at jobs, and different things that are in such disalignment. And it's because we don't know ourselves. <laughs> we don't know what our core values are, what we truly believe, what we truly need. And so we it's not as easy to recognize what's going to work well with that and what's not going to. And then that's not just in dating. That's in anything in our lives. But it certainly shows up in dating that sometimes um, because we just haven't sat with ourselves, we don't know. We're trying to look for the other puzzle piece, but you don't really know the shape of this puzzle piece. <laughs> you, you don't know what curves and hooks that puzzle piece really needs to have. And so I am very glad that this past decade for me has been one of deep, 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 deep self-discovery because um, it has allowed me the season I didn't have before my first marriage, which was um, just this beautiful treasure hunt, if you will, you know, and if you're not married yet, I want to encourage you. I don't care how old you are. This is something that doesn't happen through osmosis. It's a very intentional process of self-discovery and awareness, really going in deep and understanding your personality, your makeup, your triggers, your traumas, what has informed who you are, what you respond to, how you respond, and who do you want to be? Again, I remember somewhere around 33, 34, kind of creating this vision of like, who would I like to be? You know, I remember I have a cousin she married in, but um, and so I'm saying that to say I haven't known her my whole life. But upon meeting her, like I was like, I really love her personality. She's a lot calmer, more even. She's she's very I, I like that. I want to be like that was something I saw and said, I'm going to copy that. You know, I noticed that like I would be able to I would get like frustrated or like stressed or like Ugh. and I noticed how just kind of even. And I said, you know what? I like to adopt that personality trait. So I begin working, you know, on that. And so that's an example. Have you ever had a season to just say, who would I like to be? How would I like to be? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want people to experience me? What do I want people to say about me when I'm not present? You know, so self-discovery. I think that is what I've learned. That is the work I've done from my past is been digging up. Here's another one. Um, patterns. What are the patterns? You know, I can give you a one-off, but what, what patterns have you seen? You dated one guy who was emotionally unavailable. Cool, cool, cool. Happens to us all. You've dated two, three, four guys who were emotionally unavailable. Mm, sis, <laughs> the, the difficult thing about relationships and especially dating is that we attract who we are. Now, we're talking about patterns. On a, in a one-off, you'll get some of everything. We cross, we're on this planet, we meet, you're going to meet some of everybody. But 
when you start talking about patterns, now we're saying, what kind of magnet am I putting out in the world that I keep attracting um, the same thing? And I will, that's an, that was an actual example for me that I noticed I was attracting emotionally unavailable men. And it it punched me in the throat. Now, this might be you. And if this, this is your first time hearing this, just get ready to take a breath, okay? Because it punched me in the throat the first time I read and saw that you are attracting emotionally unavailable men because you are emotionally unavailable. I was like, what are you talking about? I am not. I am, I am open. I want love. <laughs> but here's what it said, and here's what I discovered. Emotional unavailability in women um, and it's not that it's drastically different in men, right? But it, it can look different for us tends to look like not showing up as our authentic selves, um, not enforcing our standards or our needs or our boundaries and not just really being fully present to who we are because we want to make it work so bad. We want to keep this guy. We don't want to run him off. And so we're just like showing up as a shell of ourselves, but we cannot form deep true, authentic, powerful connection when, we, when we're not showing up as ourselves. And so I realized that, man, I am setting the stage for emotional unavailability because I'm showing up as a shell of me. Here's one of the practical ways it looked like. You guys have heard me talk about this in previous episodes where um, just from my familial structure, some of the things I learned, I learned love as me taking care of you and being there for you. Right. So I was like, man, I feel like I have these one sided relationships. Right. And it wasn't until one of them hit me in the face to realize um, it's because you you don't show up and you don't ask for anything. Like one one instance in specific where I remember saying like um, to the person, you know, I do this for you. I do that for you. I do that for you. That's don't feel like I'm getting as much back. And they just very kindly said Tiffany, it's because I ask you for those things. What is the last thing you've asked me for? And I was like, I mean, well, <laughs> you know, now that you mentioned it. And what I realized when I sat and did the work, I was showing I was showing up one-sided. I was showing up and receiving something wasn't even in my requirements. And so it wasn't that the other person wasn't attempting to do things because um, when we talked, what I also uncovered was all of the things I overlooked that they did do for me, right? Well, that's a whole nother conversation. But I was like, wow, Tiffany, you are the one who showed up one-sided. You were the magnet that attracted the one-sidedness because you showed up ready to give and not even expecting anything back. So because of that, your cup didn't get full because you not you didn't get to say, here's what I'd like poured in my cup and give the person the opportunity to pour that in your cup. You know, and so I'm saying all this to say, what have what have been your patterns? What have been your patterns? This is not just for the single person. I, all of my friends except one are married and, and have been for a while. And many of them are still doing a lot of the work. And so you might be married right now, but you want to be creating a healthier, more vibrant marriage. You might have to do this, too. If you got married young. You could be married for 15 years and you might be saying, you know what? I ain't do this either. And it's not too late to evaluate how did I, the, the real question for this past and this work digging up that we're talking about is how did I get here? Wherever here is, wherever the relationship status is, married, but it's just okay, or single and I want to change it or whatever it is, how did I get here? And having the courage not to put it off on any, as a matter of fact, I hear you, Holy Spirit. I think when we talk about doing this work, it's not allowing ourselves to focus on the other person's part. My my ex-husband wasn't faithful. Well, you know what? That's for him to uncover and do in his work. I can't do any, there's nothing I can do about that piece. So I could be the victim and be like, I mean, well, he wasn't fair. No, 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 no. That's his work. But you're not, you're not off the hook. You weren't perfect. Let's let's lift up your pile. What did you show up with? And so for some of you, um, I want to encourage you to go back and relook at the work. You've done the work, but you were so focused on he did this. He won this. He won faithful. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. And that's their work. And they have to sort through that. But did you lack discernment? 
were you a safe place? Like what are the what what did you show up with that contributed to how that relationship got? Or or are you married now? And you're like, to be honest, I mean it's cool, but I didn't think it would be like this. Cool, let's let's do that work. What boundaries were not in place? What standards weren't communicated? What what wasn't enforced? What happened to get here so that you can have the knowledge you need to move more powerfully forward? So the past, sometimes you got to go sit in the past. You got to ask yourself the real questions. How, as I'm, as I'm looking at the, 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 the first 40 and, and, and looking at the next 40, I've had to really get honest about how did I get here? How did I get, what choices led me here? Um, Rachel Rogers talks about and if you're a businesswoman watching this, I want you to read her book. We we should all be millionaires. Powerful, powerful book. And um, but she talks about in that book that our life is a sum of choices, and that if you don't like where any area of your life is today, right now, you need to just make new choices in that area. But it also requires that you look at the choices that you previously made. Why did I make that choice? What knowledge did I not have? What new knowledge can I insert there to make a more powerful choice? And I want to give you this because I feel this coming up in my spirit. And I didn't say this in the first recording. Um, so I'm glad I'm doing it again. Um, do not allow the enemy to use condemnation as you go back and dig and do the work of revisiting your past. And how did I get here? The reason that a lot of us don't do it is because we feel this temptation to beat ourselves up. How did I? Oh, I'm so stupid. And I know I've done it. The one thing I want you to understand most, and Mama Eola says it like this, you, at any given point, you make decisions based off of the information you have at that point. You might have made an awful choice. I used to beat myself up so bad about how did you allow yourself to pick wrong or be divorced? Like, this is a major L. Like, how did this, this was so stupid. Until I gave myself the grace of girl, you you made the you made you made that choice with the information you had at that time. Here's the good news. You have new information. You have what you need to now make a more powerful, more intentional choice that has a totally different outcome now. So do not get, I don't care how big the mistake was, whether it's bankruptcy or credit or your body, maybe you gained a ton of weight and you're like, God, now I'm trying to lose all of this. Or maybe it's a friendship that stabbed you in the back. Or maybe you're a single parent like me and you're like, I really wasn't planning to do it this way. Or maybe you're in a marriage and you're like, I wasn't planning for it to go this way. As you unpack and do the work and you got to do it, you got to ask yourself the real questions. You got to be able to say, I just wasn't paying attention. I just wanted love or whatever it was. Do not allow yourself to be beat. Do not allow the enemy. There is therefore now no condemnation, right? Give yourself the grace that that's what I knew back then. And I'm encouraged in the fact that I know something else now. And I'm going to move forward with the knowledge that I have now, today. <laughs> okay? So that's that. So I've been doing that work, the past, digging it up. How did I get here? And then it's brought me to the present. Now, one of the things that has been happening in my most recent present, and I would say over the past three, really like three months, um, specific to preparing for my second marriage, has been understanding my attachment style. Whew, do y'all know about attachment styles? Ciao, or attachment theory? Um, I'm going to link two books in the show notes, two actual books that I've read and and then that I'm doing my work around in this season. Um, the first book I read was the one Attached with the white cover with the author Amir Levine. I don't know why I can't remember the second person. That one wrecked me completely because I had heard about attachment theory for a little bit and I just had not dived into it. And I felt in this season like Holy Spirit was like, now let's go ahead. Let's, it's time, right? And so let me just get, bring you, in case you're not familiar at all, um, there is a 
theory, I guess, if you will, in mental health around how we connect and relate to people and that everyone has an attachment style. Um, attachment styles are formed primarily in childhood, but they can also be shaped in adulthood. I know for sure my attachment style, while definitely formed in um, childhood, my divorce shaped it tremendously, right? Um, and so the three, and there's you know some other, but the main three that many agree on are securely attached, which is the ideal that we all like to grow and evolve into. And um, the second one is anxiously attached, where, um, now here's the interesting thing. You have anxious attached, you have avoidant attached. Those are the second two. They can actually have the same wounding, but they respond drastically differently. They are complete opposite sides of the attachment spectrum. So similar wounding, but the similar wounding can be um, that there's core memory shaped around the fact that there were some emotional needs that were chronically unmet in childhood. But the person who is anxiously attached, that would be me. <laughs> that would have been me because every day we're becoming more and more secure. Yes. Um, the person who is anxiously attached now tells themselves, I can't lose anyone else, or I'm looking for the unmet needs in other people. So they latch on really, really, really tight to anyone that's an intimate attachment, typically in dating, right? Because friends, while we love them, actually are not considered intimate attachments. And so this is important because this may not show up in your girlfriend relationships or your relationship with your homeboys, but it's going to show up in dating. Um, and the person who is avoiding attached is the exact opposite because of their chronic unmet needs they've decided none of y'all can meet my needs so i'm gonna lock in i don't need and they completely withdraw from intimacy now they crave it because they want that intimate need met but their fear tells them nobody's gonna be able to meet it so just so just lock down now the weird thing is um Anxious attached and avoidant attached tend to draw to each other like moths in a flame. <laughs> and so, Lord have mercy, they just, um, and so, Lord have mercy, they just, <laughs> until getting healed, can really, really drive each other crazy. Um, Until getting healed, <laughs> they can drop each other completely crazy, okay? And so um, I have known for a minute, I've heard about uh, attachment style, but, and I, and I, I knew, I didn't have to take no test. I knew I was anxiously attached, but the book opened it up in just a whole new way, um, helped me understand how I became that way. The book also, what I like is both of the books really deal with on a scientific level, helping you understand um, your nervous system and how your body, how it's wired. Do you guys, do you guys realize that memories and experiences are wired in our physical makeup? Because sometimes you can experience something and have a reaction and you don't mentally remember like what's happening, but your heart might start racing or you feel a physical response. And it's because the body remembers. And so the book has helped me understand and give grace that this is not a conscience response. This is like trapped in your memory that your body remembers when we were five, you know, and we, so we, you respond a certain way. And it's really helped me to also give grace, really give grace um, in response to why I may respond. So previously, you know, in different relationships, if I, if we were, you know, talking regularly and then maybe they were a little distant for a day or two, not as responsive for someone who is anxiously attached that will trigger core memories of um, rejection and abandonment. 
And so everything in you feels like this is a threat of safety. Your body will literally respond in a way that says like, we're not safe. And you'll, you may, you know, call a little bit more, text a little bit more, be freaking out. And that was me. And so the thing I love is that now I can see and I can feel the security in knowing that like, you know, if I'm talking to a guy and he's, he even right now, you know, and maybe he needs a day or two or whatever, I don't panic. <laughs> I'm not like, oh Lord, he changed his mind about me because God has been healing my attachment style. And I'm going to tell you something, you know, neither of one of these books are written, you know, there's no scripture, there's no spiritual approach, but being able to couple this with prayer and bring this before the Lord in your prayer time is something that I um, was seeking God about. And then my last time of fasting and prayer was really dealing with God. And this was like a month or so ago. And I, when I tell you that while the books are great and the, and the meditations and the journaling that I am doing is great, I can feel the Holy Spirit literally healing my attachment, literally helping me in my body to not respond the same way. And I want to give that to someone that if you read these books and you find, uh-oh, I'm anxious attached or I'm avoidant attached um, and you want to become secure, you know, so I'm like, new. I'm saying I'm newly secure and every day I'm becoming more secure. Um, the Holy Spirit is, is able to do that work in me. And to be honest, I've surrendered that to the Holy Spirit. So like I said, it, it's there's some level of work you do by yourself, but there's another level of work that happens when someone shows up. And so, you know, yes, there's someone in my life at the moment. And um, as I'm interacting with him, because I've surrendered that area and I'm like, OK, Holy Spirit, I need you to like help me. I noticed that in in moment by moment, he'll speak to me. He'll give me wisdom. He's like, breathe or do this. And he's helping me to retrain because the thing about um, your core wounds, the things you've experienced, like I said, in childhood or it could be adulthood, um, you've been, you know, rejected, abandoned, you've been divorced, you've been abused, you've been dealt with certain things. They're going to really shape how you interact with someone. and. It has to happen on an emotional and physical level, the healing and the rewiring. And that takes time, especially depending on how many years you've been that way. And so I can feel like moment by moment that different conversations, different interactions that the Holy Spirit is giving me, like, say this, don't say that, relax, you know, like helping me to navigate that. And I think these are the moments where we have to remember the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he's not just for Sunday and he's not just for stuff we we think are spiritual, but he wants to be a part of our everyday life, like truly living a spirit led life, even in terms of how we are interacting with our spouses. And I want to say this too. I didn't say this in the first recording. I've heard this said, and I, I really loved it. Um, we talk a lot in this generation about like gentle parenting, conscious parenting, you know, um, re redoing some of the things that our parents did, even though we love them, we know more now. And so we're, 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 we're talking to our children a different way. We're offering them some more choices and not necessarily being as authoritarian and kind of like, you know, that. And, and we call it gentle parenting where we want to give them a space to have a voice, let their emotions feel safe. And I love that, you know, um, I was one of the people I follow said, are we doing gentle partnering? And I was like, sis, I love that because you know what? The same way that my son can make me angry, but I choose as his mother not to break his spirit and to breathe first and to speak to him away in a way that builds and honors him. We can do that with our partners and our spouses, which we'll always choose to. And I think this is the true work of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is so important because many women complain about things like um, he doesn't open up to me. He doesn't talk to me. Da, 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 da. But the truth is, those are symptoms of he doesn't trust you. <laughs> they are. And let's and let's 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 go. Let's, now, somebody just got mad at me, but stick with me. Sis. Just just truth hurts first, but it heals second. Let me tell you why I say that and what I've learned. Um Psychologists will tell you that when women say, 
I don't trust him. They mean I'm afraid that he's cheating. I'm afraid that he's not being faithful and or I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that he's going to be responsible. Maybe he's not bringing the money home. He's, there's some responsibility and he's not being consistent. He's not working consistently. And I, I don't trust that he's getting it done. That's typically what we mean when we say I don't trust him. When men say I can't trust her, they are saying typically general generalization, right? Typically, they mean she's going, I can't open my heart to her because when I do, she bashes my vulnerability. She throws it back in my face. She makes me feel less of a man. So I don't, I don't open my heart and I'll talk to her. And here's another, here's, here's what I'm just trying to like, cause we need some free game right now. Like just come close, bring you, bring, tell another girlfriend, come close real quick. Cause here's another thing I've learned. Now, statistically speaking, 80% of relationships are ended by women. And the number actually might be higher, but the last number I know is 80%. Because we are the ones that will say, I'm better with this and I'm out. Men will stay, y'all. You keep cooking up them good meals. You loving them down. Men will stay unhappy. The data shows it. And so here's what happens. A lot of times, because he's still in the house, because you're still his lady, um, you don't realize, girl, he gone. Emotionally, he's gone, right? And, and it could be because, now maybe there's a factor on his side and we're not taking away from that, but we only dealing with our stuff today. We're not, we not, we won't let the Holy Spirit deal with them and their stuff. We only dealing with our stuff. It could be because, and this was true for me in my first marriage, are you a safe place? Are you, are you a place where he can open up his wounds, his vulnerability, his mistakes, his mess ups? And not be um, berated, belittled, fussed at, looked down, talked to you like he's a child. And you don't have to yell or use choice words. It could be there, there's there's a venom that can come from your heart that can make him feel like, oh, you're so stupid. That will make a man like, I'm never opening up to you again. I'm So I'm be here, but you won't have my heart. You might have my name. You might have my paycheck. You might have my body, but you won't have my heart. Now, if that's the kind of relationship you want, <laughs> we ain't talking about you. But if you genuinely want a relationship where um, you are each other's safest place and you are truly best friends, then it requires responding to him a certain way. And why am I leaning into all of that? Because you have to be fully in control of your core wounds and triggers and how you respond in order to create that safe atmosphere and environment. He's not responsible for your triggers, sis. Because we always say stuff like, well, I've been through this. And so I just need somebody who, no, 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 no. Yes, he should be He should be patient. He should be gentle with you while you're growing. While you're growing. Meaning you have to do the work of when he does this, it reminds me of this. And so I respond a certain way. Your response is your responsibility. It's not his responsibility to be on eggshells and not be, not be. It's your responsibility to say, okay, you know what? When that happens, it reminds me of my dad. And then I spaz out. I'm going to heal my heart and do the work. So I stop spazzing out. Not so he just takes it and he knows I am that way. No, sis. That's for them, that's for sisters in the world. The Bible tells us the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And it's because she is managing who she is. I want to be honest with y'all. I listen to a lot of conversations about marriage being hard, marriage being difficult for some who feel that it is. And for some who have said it's not, it's a minority, but I have heard pl plenty of people say they don't feel like it is. And here's what I've gathered. The hardest thing about marriage is self-management. <laughs> self-management that no matter what they do, or don't do, how you respond and show up. That's the hard part. Choosing to forgive, choosing to be compassionate, choosing to be gentle when you really just want to pop off. That's the hard part. And if you can allow the Holy Spirit to, to help you do the work, to get clear on your makeup and your wounding and how and why that bothers you so bad and to be able to surrender that and let him heal that, 
you can show up differently. But it's not our it's not it's not our husbands, boyfriends, the men in our lives. It's not their responsibility to manage our mess. It's our responsibility. And I don't know why I just feel like we constantly as women have these long lists of all these things we want men to fix. And he better have this and he better do that. But when it comes to us, it becomes a take me as I am. No, sis, nobody's going to deal with that mouth. Nobody healthy. So you're either going to have a shell of a man or be alone. But if you want a healthy man, <laughs> this right here can't be sideways. No, <laughs> you can't just pop off and talk crazy and think like, I mean, yeah, deal with it. That's just how I know you will have an unhealthy man or none, <laughs> you know. And so all of that is the work I've been doing around healing my attachment style and just making sure that I am the absolute safest place number one with myself the thing about my attachment style and all of this work i've been doing has made me understand that there's a little tiffany inside the big tiffany who she is the one who shows up in conflict and she is the one who responds to certain things you have a little person too mm -hmm. and to be honest and i heard this in therapy a couple years ago you may get into a moment where you're triggered or something happens with that man and honestly, you immediately go back to being eight years old, even though you're in your body now, mentally, you went back to being eight because you're responding from that place. And so I've had to literally do work around healing and talking to little Tiffany. One of the conversations I had with her was, thank you, because I know you were just trying to protect us. I know that you felt abandoned and I know you felt unseen and I know some of your screams and some of your tantrums and some of your cries have been about hear me, see me, love me, protect me. And I've had to tell her, your work is through. You're, you're only a little girl. I am the grown woman us and I'm going to take it from here and I'm going to protect us too, but I'm going to do it in a different way. What I've learned is that Sometimes the things that we do to protect ourselves uh, in conflict or in different moments really hurts the heart of our partner. And it takes a healed version of us to be able to heal and protect my heart and honor and protect yours at the same time. Because there is a way for um, us to have a moment of conflict or disagreement or whatever. There's a way for me to honor me and honor you at the same time. I don't have to dishonor you. I don't have to come at you sideways, talk crazy, ghost you, give you the silent treatment for three days. I don't have to do none of that unhealthy stuff. There's a way for me to honor me and make sure that my boundaries are being honored and I'm not being walked on and honor you at the same time. And that takes healing. The first book, um, and this is the one attached um, in the, I put both books in the link description. Um, there's a whole chapter on effective communication. And I loved it so much because can we be honest from the millennials, especially watching this, most of us were raised by boomers. Or if you're a little bit younger, you might've been raised by older Gen Xs. And typically we were raised in a be seen and not heard. <laughs> Shut up, go sit in the corner. They, they meant no harm. We love and appreciate them. But we typically were taught not to have, not to validate or um, have have the ability to express our feelings and our needs. So many of us got older and we either didn't do it, which is drastically toxic, right? Until we blew up because we just held it all in for so long, or we immediately just was like, it is a learned practice to be able to speak up for yourself advocate for yourself without being disrespectful, without the silent treatment or, you know, the neck rolls or all of the things, but to just be able to say, here's how I felt when you did that. And I didn't feel honored. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I mattered. And, 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 and to use I statements and not you statements, right? Cause we, this is not a communication, um, workshop, but to not come across with accusatory, you did this. No, 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 no. I felt, I felt the way when you said that, right? Um, not sure how you meant it, but here's how I, here's how I heard it. Like this is the language that I'm using now. And I see the difference. I see the different response that it gets literally. Um, 
about a month ago, you know, needed to bring an issue up and just went to him and said, hey, you know, um, here's how I felt about something. And because I didn't come across all accusatory, you ain't, and I just need you to know I'm a black eye. Because oftentimes, let me, let me, let me, for the sister who, I mean, silly, but you realize that's you, you, you still kind of like, I mean, I don't know. What's happening is there's a fear. There's a little girl in you who's been walked all over, who's been treated crazy, and you like, ain't nobody else going to treat me crazy. And when you can heal her and when you can learn to advocate for her, you no longer feel like you've got to yell it out and be disrespectful. You can very respectfully and honorably say, here's my boundaries, here's my standards, and then to be in my life, you have to honor these. And if you are not able to, they're not able to be in my life, you know? And so... um, all of that is the present stuff. All of that is the who do I need to be to to attract the type of man and to hold the heart of the type of man I want. And I think this conversation is just so important because as Christian women, Lord, I'm, I'm constantly in conversations where we have these long laundry lists for all that they need to be. But we, we don't, we're not always um, loving and kind and patient and we're not always... Um, the type of women who can truly make that man feel safe and hold his heart safely. And I think being a boy mom has given me a different perspective on it because I know the type of woman I want him to have. I know that I don't want anybody's daughter feeling like she can pop off and disrespect him. He's he's going to have to treat her right too, but he's not going to be perfect. He's going to have days where he does something he shouldn't do. And I don't want her to think that's a license to talk to him crazy and disrespect him. Um, I'm teaching him now not to marry or not to entertain that type of woman, which means don't be that type of woman. And so many of us, even who name the name of Christ, are that woman. We think we're justified in, I mean, well, he should not that. No, 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 no. That's a heart issue. And we have to get to the place where we understand that we love them in uh as a, as a way of loving God. How I honor this man, his son that I prayed for, is a reflection of how I love him. So the same way that God is patient with me when I'm off, when I'm not doing like what I should be doing, that is how I should be honoring and loving this man. It's not a tit for tat. If he's doing well, I'm doing well. But the moment he ain't doing right, I get to, mm-mm. no, that's that's carnal. That They do that out there. We who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and who name the name of Christ, we don't get to move that way. Um, and the last thing I want to say before I go to my, my, my final reflection and we're going to wrap this up is that. Um, we had this plaque in our house, which I think is kind of funny now. We joke about it because it was in between our bedrooms as kids. And I'm like, Ma, what y'all was trying to say? <laughs> but it says, um, children need love most when they least deserve it. And I think that's true of everybody in our lives, but especially our partners, our boyfriends, our spouses. They need our love the most when they least deserve it. It's the moments where they are going through something. They're they're not necessarily handling it the best way. They're stressed or whatever. And we really feel justified to be like, I'm not, you know, let me tell you, like that we need to choose Holy Spirit and say, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna still honor him today. He's not he not doing right, but I am because I said that I would, you know. And I think that that's why this conversation is not just for single women, but if you're in a relationship, it's about how can I better manage me and show up in a way that honors his heart in the way I will want my son. Am I treating somebody's son the way I will want mine treated? You know. Um, and the last reflection. Is so. I think I had a question for each one. The past question was, How did I get here? (laughs) Right, wherever here is. I think the present question is, Am I the woman, the version of a woman who can safely handle the heart of the man I desire? And that is not just for the single, that you might be married and have not fully transformed into that version. And you may be saying, Wow, there are some changes I'd like to make, I'd like to become a safer version for the man I already have, right? And in the future, as I've been reflecting on the future, now this probably is more, well, that's not true. Now I reflect on conversations I've been having. Nope, (laughs) this is not just for the single ladies either. This one is for both. The question I've been reflecting on is, um, what do I desire and need going forward? 
Because I think when you do the healing of the present, you answer that question differently. A lot of people answer the question of what they need and want initially before getting healed from a perspective of what they don't want. They're not going to treat me like my father. Not me, but, you know, um, they're not going to do this. I didn't like that. And I'm never going to be disrespected. And I'm not. And most people, if you ask them what they want, they will list out all the things they don't want, which is really unhealthy. And we actually end up drawing what we don't want. We have to actually have a picture of, no, here's what I do want. I want someone who loves Christ, has a strong prayer life, is compassionate. These are my actual things, right? Um, is funny, has a great sense of humor, is a family man, loves to have fun. Like, it's important that we get clear on, no, here's what I do want. No, I'm not going to just say I don't want somebody who lies. I don't want somebody who disrespectful. Well, of course I don't. But I'm not going to necessarily recognize what I do want if I haven't taken the time to name that and to give that space. And so have you from a healed place, again, whether single or in a relationship, ever really said, here's what a thriving relationship looks like and feels like for me. Here's how I want to feel. Here's how I want him to feel. Here's what it looks like, what we have. Now, if you're already married, and again, I can think of people who I know who are doing this work who are married and saying, we don't have the kind of marriage we want, or we're going to build it with each other. But if you're single, you get to start from scratch and say, let me make sure I attract someone who we're aligned. We're here. We know the type of relationship that we'd like to have. We want the same things. Maybe not everything perfectly, right? But we, we're pretty aligned and we're going to move and build in, intentionally in that direction together. Um, and, and give yourself permission to want and need what you want and need. I think the healed version of me is like, yeah, I want and need what I want and need. And it's okay. Like, I don't feel um, like it's a negative or there were things in the, in the past, literally like two relationships ago, I remember um, feeling like, well, do I need someone who has you know, a relationship with the Lord, or maybe I can just be patient with somebody who's like a babe or whatever. And I learned through that relationship, no, I I do need someone who is really solid in the word. And I don't need someone who got saved last week or last year. I really need someone who, if I'm having a down day, can go to like knows his way around the prayer closet, knows how to go to bat for me, knows how to cover me, um, and intercede for me, knows how to discern prophetically the heart of God for what we're dealing with. I was like, I think it's okay that I need those things. Um, he doesn't have to be perfect, but I need someone who at least is living a life that's surrendered to Christ. Like I want someone who has a church home and serves there. And that's just the spiritual part, but that was because I hadn't given myself permission for that. But what about you? What have you been debating? Well, do I need that? Well, maybe I don't. Well, do, well, no. And I'm not talking about stupid stuff like he's six feet. We'll talk about that on another episode. <laughs> but I'm talking about like values, like things that truly matter. If you're a Christian woman, we don't belong dating someone who does not name the name of Christ. And to be honest, depending on where you are in your walk with Christ, someone who's a babe and really doesn't have an anchor in the word may not be suitable for you either. To just be honest, you know, and you've got to give yourself permission and be okay with like, yeah, this is what I need. And I trust God that he has it covered. I think the peace that I have in this season, and it feels so amazing. The peace I have in this season is knowing that I don't have to force anything. Um, I believe heavily in divine alignment. And this is a season of divine alignment for me that I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be doing what God has asked me to do. And what's for me will align with me. Like, Anything that's supposed to stay and be for me will. Anything that has to go will. I say it this way. My mantra when it comes to relationships is the door to my life is open, right? And for the people I've chosen and given access, if you'd like to stay, stay and enjoy the benefit of who I am. Get all of the wonderful goodness that comes with me. But if for any reason you don't want to stay, that's okay too. You can go. Um, I used to let rejection and abandonment cause me to like stand at the door and stalk it like, don't go. No, 
mm -mm, no, it's okay. Freely release. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. You don't have to demonize them. You don't have to be enemies. It's okay. Because those who are assigned to you, they're not going to go. <laughs> and so don't let rejection and abandonment and all of these things cause you to be like, no, no, no. You know, and try to hold on to people who aren't a good fit. Let go Trim the fat. Let go of what's not good for you and watch God make sure that you don't miss any good thing, you know? So uh, when I tell you guys, I am really excited about my next marriage. I believe um, that God is just doing amazing things in the area of my, you know, dating and, and all of this. And um, I look forward to even being able to pull these clips when, when I get, you know, to that stage of my dating life. And being able to say, like, this is my person, this is my fiance, this is who I'm marrying, and this is the fruit of the faith and the works that I'm doing. But I hope that's something that I've said um, in the second time I recorded this episode <laughs> has been fruitful, has been a blessing. And if so, you guys know, leave me a comment shoot me a DM. Let me know how this is impacting you. Of course, you can always come over to the Facebook group and drop me a comment and let me know what you think. And um, yeah, we're going to continue this series, guys. I got a couple more weeks. <coughs> so I turned 40 and um, I'm super excited and I cannot wait to see you guys on the next episode.